Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Inshallah today we'll have our eighth session in the series the seer of Rasulullah will continue on where we left off we were covering the Meccan period and we started off with Rasulullah he started his call openly among the Meccan society and he started facing different kinds of opposition and the different methods used by the Quraysh and the first one that we discussed last week was about against Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When Quraysh uh, were in general uh, using different uh, methods for uh, uh, creating scenarios uh, or situation around Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi so people would not be able to see the truth coming from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they were denying his message and trying to corrupt uh, uh, the message that he was bringing in front of the people in a way that uh, as if Rasulullah was not the Messenger of Allah uh, and uh, it did not stop there, this persecution uh, the method of persecution that uh, Quraysh was using against Rasulullah continued on to a point that they started use, getting physical against Rasulullah and the believers who were believing Rasulullah and we talked about last week uh, that the, the way they were doing that uh, about uh, distorting the message of Rasulullah or the, or the characteristics of Rasulullah and they were doing the correct uh, assassination uh, of Rasulullah and we find very similar uh, kind of uh, means and ways used today even uh, anybody who would who want to carry the message of Islam uh, in the true form there are many uh, ways of uh, persecution including character assassination or uh, showing that it, as if this message is, uh, uh, is something that people should not even consider to, to follow. And uh, media, including internet, uh, or, or TV, movies, shows, or, and news, uh, or news analysis are filled with these kind of uh, uh, ideas that we can see. Um, so, <clears throat> as I mentioned that also, that when we look at the Sira, we should not be just looking at as if we are reading or going through some stories, Rather, we should be looking for a lesson for us today and what we can uh, learn from that and proceed according to uh, the, the method that Rasulullah adopted, which was directed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, so, as I said, the, the, when it came to the persecution, uh, this persecution started off uh, against Rasulullah in a physical manner as well. And today we will cover that mostly about against Rasulullah and Sahaba, how they uh, dealt with Rasulullah and Sahaba. Uh, one of the, the things that they did, they realized that just uh, character assassination of Rasulullah was not sufficient 
to start this call and they saw that the number of people who were entering into folds of Islam was continuously increasing and to prevent that uh, they, uh, they started uh, they, they gathered actually and uh, they, they thought about it, what should we do and there were about 25 men from Quraysh and Abu Lahab was one of the, uh, one of the leaders who was the uncle of Rasulullah and uh, not only the uncle he was actually a neighbor of Rasulullah and some of the devices his house was attached to Rasulullah's house uh, and also uh, two of his daughters were married to Rasulullah uh, two of the daughters of Rasulullah was married to the two of the sons of Abu Lahab and uh, <clears throat> and Abu Lahab when he started off uh, this persecution one of the first thing he started off with was uh, he actually ordered commanded his sons to divorce uh, the daughters of Rasulullah and also he started ridiculing Rasulullah further because one of the sons of Rasulullah was also recently passed Abdullah and he started saying that Rasulullah's uh, generation will, will, will be cut off meaning there will be no more uh, but nobody will be the, the later on remaining to who will be taking the name of Rasulullah and, and we know that until today billions of people uh, remembering Rasulullah and making dua uh, for Rasulullah and his family and we know who is really being remembered now and who is the one who has been uh, discarded or have the line of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which was Abu Lahab uh, so <coughs> himself he um, uh, so, so the, the two sons by the way who were married to the daughters of Rasulullah were Utba and Utayba uh, and uh, Utba was married to uh, Ruqayya and Utayba was married to Umm Kulthum and he ordered both of them to divorce and they did divorce him and as, as you mentioned they were married actually prior to Rasulullah was the messenger of, uh, of Allah and that actually kind of shows as I mentioned last week also Rasulullah married to Khadija at the age of 25 and he was 40 when he became a prophet so that, sh- that kind of uh, gives a picture of an uh, image of how old the daughters of Rasulullah were Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the time between the marriage and the prophethood is altogether is 15 years. And Ruqayya and Kulthum were not the oldest. As a matter of fact, Zainab and Qasim, both of them were older than Ruqayya and Kulthum. So uh, the point I'm trying to make here was uh, when uh, people talk about the marriage of Aisha, that was actually uh, that she was young when he was, she was married to Rasulullah. That was actually a norm at that time. Uh, and I, I will not. I don't want to spend too much time on this subject. Inshallah, we'll talk about it when it gets to the point of uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam marriage to Aisha and, and those things. Okay. So uh, the, these two divorce uh, the daughters of Rasulullah Sallallahu So this is kind of a pain you can imagine that people go through uh, when their daughters have been divorced. Uh, so Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi was a human being, and when he was carrying the message of Islam he was coming across a similar kind of a pain that uh, any human being can, can, can face. Of course, prophets were the one who were tested the most severe, in, in the most severe manner. Uh, as the Hadith of Rasulullah talks about that, that is when he was asked, who are the one who are tested the, the, the most severe? And Rasulullah said, the Anbiya, and then the one who have the Iman like them, and then uh, the Lord and then, and uh, on and on and on, until the, uh, everybody according to their Iman has been tested, and uh, the, uh, these tests can wash away the sins and uh, the hadith of and 
At the end, the Abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala walks on the earth as if he has not committed any sins. So when we come across difficulties, we should remember that, that that can be a mean of washing away our sins as well, as long as we act, continue to act as Allah Azza wa has commanded, meaning we do the sabr. Sabr here is, as I mentioned many, many times, I want to keep this clear in our minds that sabr means that no matter what situation we are in, we continue to act according to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this uh, 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 Abu Lahab, uh, not only he uh, ordered his son to divorce the daughter of Sallallahu besides that, he used to go to anybody who was entering into the Mecca uh, for, the, for the Hajj. He used to go to them and make sure that he tell them that Rasulullah was a liar. This is how he used to tell uh, the people. So they stay away from the message of Islam. And, uh, uh, and his wife was also another person who was famous, uh, being a very wretched woman, very foul mouth. And he used to curse and he used to say things to break families apart. Uh, and uh, when, when she found out uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat Tabbat yada Abi Lahab the surah al-masr and in this surah Allah azza wa also mentioned about Umm Jamil who was the wife of Abu Lahab that he's, he's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hammalat al-hatab she's the one who will be carrying uh, the, carrying the firewood for, uh, for, for, the, for the hellfire even so when she found out that these ayat were revealed about her, because she is one of the ones who was already do, uh, harming Rasulullah She used to go in the path of Rasulullah, she used to uh, throw thorns in the palm leaves and make sure that Rasulullah is getting hurt with that. And uh, when she found out these ayat were revealed, she got furious. And now she, she, she took some, you know, like a crazy person, she took some pebbles, and rocks in her hand, and she was on her way. Now she's going to throw stones at Rasulullah. And she found out that Rasulullah was in Kaaba. So she went to Kaaba, and Rasulullah was sitting with Abu Bakr Siddiq over there. And uh, when she went there, she, uh, Allah subhanahu wa prevented Rasulullah from her, and she was not able to see. Allah subhanahu wa put the cover on her side that she was not able to see Rasulullah and she went to, Rasul, uh, uh, to Abu Bakr and she started saying bad things about Rasulullah and, uh, uh, and Rasulullah was sitting there and Abu Bakr asked later on to Rasulullah and, uh, that why, uh, what happened here so Abu Bakr was told by Rasulullah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala covered uh, her sight and she was not able to see Rasulullah now, <clears throat> besides Abu Lahab, there is uh, another enemy of Islam who was Abu Jahl. And Abu Jahl has done, was also part of persecuting Rasulullah in many different uh, means. And uh, one of the hadith which is mentioned uh, in Bukhari, uh, the hadith uh, talks about uh, Abu Jahl, how he, uh, uh, he, he was making fun of Rasulullah with uh, with his uh, with with the rest of the Quraysh, and uh, he was saying that uh, first of all they were uh, they were laughing at Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi The Hadith says like this, and the meaning of the Hadith is that Rasulullah was offering the prayer in the Kaaba, and Abu Jahl was sitting with some of his companions. One of them said to the other, "Who amongst you will bring 
the abdominal content, meaning the intestines of, of, the, of the camel from, uh, from a tribe, uh, uh, of so-and-so tribe. Put it on the back of Rasulullah when he prostrates, meaning when he goes in sajda, uh, put the uh, intestine of the camel on, uh, on his back. And this, uh, if any one of you have seen the intestines of uh, whether it's a goat or a, or a cow, and obviously camel is a much bigger animal, so the intestines are, is, is pretty heavy. And uh, they're heavy, very slippery, uh, uh, it's very difficult to carry. And once you put on it, it uh, obviously, especially in the position of sajda, it's very difficult to get up. Okay? So this is a f- one of the forms of uh, torture that I thought of. And he said, who can bring that? And uh, Abdullah bin Masoud said that I was watching but could not do anything. Uh, as I, w- I wish I had some people with me to hold, uh, hold out against them. So <clears throat> they started laughing. And uh, you know, uh, when you are ridiculing something, somebody, some, sometimes you see some, especially youth, they're like uh, going on the floor and rolling on the floor. Uh, and sometimes it was, it was uh, uh, rolling, laugh out loudly, something like rolling on the floor, laugh out loud, loudly kind of thing. So they were ro- laughing and falling on each other. Okay? Um, this is, uh, uh, see, for, for, we, we may be smiling here, but this is, uh, the, if you are on the other side, the, of who has been laughed at by such a big number of people and in the Kaaba. See, even the Quraysh, they were very aware, aware of the sanctuary of the, of the Kaaba. And the way they were ridiculing Rasulullah uh, so they, uh, they started laughing. And Rasulullah وسلم, uh, after Fatima radiallahu anha, the daughter of Rasulullah when she saw Rasulullah had the intestine of the camel on his, on his back. She came and she removed it and Rasulullah was able to get up. Uh, he said, Allahumma alayka bi Quraysh. That, uh, O oh Allah, punish the Quraysh. This is what Rasulullah said. Now, see the uh, Abu Jahl and the people, the Quraysh, right away they got scared. Because even though they were kuffar, at the same time they had certain belief system. According to them, if a dua has been made, in the haram, it is accepted. This is how they used to look. And they knew of Rasulullah wasallam that uh, deep down, they were aware of it. He is, uh, uh, he was a sadiq al amin and, uh, and some of them actually were aware of that he was a messenger of Allah, but they were rejecting it. Because of, they were going to lose their positions that they held in the Quraysh, in the Mecca. So, they, uh, uh, they got scared. And, uh, uh, and they, they, so it was hard for Abu Jahl and his companion when the Sosam invoked Allah against them as they had a conviction that the prayer and invocations were accepted in the city of Mecca. So Rasulullah said that, O oh Allah, punish Abu Jahl. Now he started giving the names, Rasulullah said. Utbah bin Rabi'ah, Shaybah bin Rabi'ah, Al-Walid bin Utbah, Umayyah bin Khalf, and Uqbah bin Mu'ayyid. And there was a seventh name, the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud is mentioning. And the seventh name was, he could not remember. But the seventh name actually was uh, uh, about the Aqba bin Mu'ayy. Uh, sorry, not Aqba bin Mu'ayy is mentioned here. It was Imara uh, uh, bin Walid. And we'll talk about this person as well later on. So these are the people who were laughing along with Abu Jahl over there. And he pro- uh, invoked the dua. Rasulullah invoked the dua against them. And uh, the reports mentioned that, that uh, in the Ghazwat al-Badr, 
when Razatul Badr happened, all the names of Rasulullah mentioned there, they were all killed in Razatul Badr. And they were all in one of the wells of the Badr. Their bodies were found over there. So the dua that Rasulullah made, it was fulfilled. Okay? Uh, so uh, th- th- that's one of the, uh, the things that uh, Abu Jahl did to Rasulullah sallallahu uh, Other uh, places, other people like Umayyah bin Khalq was another enemy of Islam and Rasulullah sallallahu who was, who used to uh, do uh, like slandering Rasulullah sallallahu about whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat that we probably recite in the salah a lot of time this, uh, uh, in this ayah, Allah Subh'ana is talking about Umayyah bin Khalq. Humaza means the slanderer and Lumaza is the backbiter. And the Allah is saying that both every slanderer and backbiter. <coughs> uh, the other person who persecuted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was al uh, uh, bin Shuraib and Uqba bin al-Mu'ayy. Uqba bin al-Mu'ayy, once he was attending an audience of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi So now... Rasulullah was doing the da'wah of Islam and Uqba bin Mu'ayyid was listening. Okay? Whether he was listening to pay attention to the da'wah or not, Akhnaz bin Yusraiq, he thought of it, maybe he is listening to what Rasulullah is calling for. So he said, he could not tolerate this kind of action. He went to Uqba and he said to him, he told them to go and spit on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Uqba did this, uh, and he did not uh, uh, spare any thinkable way to malign Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he he even uh, even ground all the composed bones, and he crushed them, and he blew on the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's it's a way of disgracing somebody. So you go and spit somebody's face and uh, put the dust, whether it was a bone or any other dust, of a blow on the face of somebody. So that's what they did to Rasulullah uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually uh, revealed the ayat about Al-Akhnas bin Shuraiq, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, uh, Which means, and do not obey every worthless habitual swearer. Hamadin masha'im bin Amin. And it's corner going about with malicious gossip. And preventer of good transgressing and simple. And cool, moreover, and an illegitimate uh, pretender. Now, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling Aqnas bin Shuraiq as a zanim. Zanim is, is like a curse word to somebody. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him, You are an illegitimate child. And he was an illegitimate child because he knew Rasulullah did not lie. He went and asked his mother. And he found out that he was an illegitimate child. He was out of the wedlock. The child who, uh, came to, uh, whose birth was, the father was not known. <coughs> now, besides uh, the uh, Al-Ahnas and Walid bin Mughira and Abu Lahab, uh, Abu Jahl actually among them was one of the the staunchest enemy of Rasulullah and he has done many uh, uh, many bad things including he continued to de- deny Rasulullah to a point that he, if, even if he would listen to what Rasulullah was calling for 
he would decline or reject the message. Allah Subhanahu mentions about fala sadaqa wa la salla and he did uh, and the disbeliever he did not believe and did not pray. Walakin kadza and rather he lied and he rejected and he turned turned away. Allah Subhanahu talks about him thumma dhahaba ila ahlihi yatamatta and when he went to his people swaggering in pride that uh, he used to uh, be arrogant in a way that he is mightiest among the Quraysh. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, to you, awla laka fa'awla, thumma awla laka fa'awla. And uh, uh, then later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually talks about him as that, because uh, he was saying he is the mightiest. So Allah, Allah said, let him bring his uh, uh, advisory, whatever number of people he has, as he calls himself, he is the mightiest. Allah said, فَلْيَدْعُ Nadia. Nadia is the advisory. Uh, or the council, like this, the very same word is used for, they used to have a Darul Nadwa. Nadwa is a place you have the consultancy, and the people who are cons- uh, they used to consult if they want to make any uh, big decision. Allah is saying, okay, let him bring all the, the force of the people he has around. So Nadwa Zabaniya, and we will call it uh, uh, angels of hell. Allah is saying that we will bring the angels of hell against him. And, uh, 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 and Allah has basically called him that, leave him alone with me. And Allah will take care of him. Uh, and other, uh, and another place, uh, Abu Jahl, he was, uh, uh, even when he heard about all these ayat, he continued to act foolish. And uh, he was determined to go against, uh, to an extreme, to a point that he was saying that he was going to kill, he was going to put his uh, foot on the neck of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he goes to the Kaaba and, uh, and prays over there. And uh, he actually decided, and he told his people around him, as one of the hadith uh, mentions that he was going to go, and when, when he comes to Rasulullah to the, to the Kaaba, he's going to go when he goes in sajda and uh, step on his neck. Now, when Rasulullah came to Kaaba, and he went, he was going towards, while his, all the friends were watching him, he was going to go and step on the neck of Rasulullah and suddenly, he, uh, he started doing like this, trying to protect himself, as if there is something in front of him, and he, he came back, he went back. So the people asked him, what happened? And he said, he saw a, a ditch of a fire in front of him, and there were some wings. So that's why he went back. And Rasulullah said, if he would have come closer, those angels would have plucked his limbs one by one. If he would have come closer, would have come closer to Rasulullah he would have been killed by, by the angels. Now, so this is, you can imagine Rasulullah was uh, from one of the uh, elite families of the Quraysh, one. He had the back of Abu Talib. Abu Talib was one of the leaders of the Quraysh. And even the uncles you can find, Abu Lahab was his uncle who was persecuting Rasulullah So he was from an elite family, back, uh, good backing, uh, support, and he was going through all these hardships. And one of the, 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 the mentioned that, actually the, uh, the, the Uqba bin Mu'i, he tried to choke Rasulullah And uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he saw, he stopped him. And he said, are you choking him or going to kill a person? Because he says, La ilaha illallah, 
only for this, that you're going to kill the person. And uh, so the, the, this is the point I'm trying to make here, that even Rasulullah with all the backup, was almost about to be killed. So you can imagine that what the Quraysh did with the weak ones, the Sahaba. And uh, we'll see that some of the Sahaba, inshallah, that how they were persecuted only because they were saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And uh, we can only understand this, uh, this kind of a persecution and uh, hardship that they're going through if we understand what does it mean by La ilaha illallah. Because today, we don't realize what La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah means. See, Quraysh, they understood it very well. When Rasulullah was calling for the, this, uh, 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 the, this word, it meant to leave everything on the side. Whatever they were worshipping, whatever way of life they were living with, it has to be replaced by what Allah subhanahu revealed. So now today we say these words all the time. Sometimes some of us actually, unfortunately some of the uh, scholars, they go and even go to... Uh, for example, Capitol Hill or White House and all those places even, and uh, they, they are reciting Quran up loudly, and uh, they are invited to do that. The very same people who have become the mean of uh, many atrocities which are happening across the world, whether Muslims or non-Muslims alike. And they have no problem in listening to the whole Quran even there. Because that Quran or the message of Islam has become just the words that we say. It has nothing to do with our actions anymore. And the Quraysh understood it very well. That what this message meant. And this is why the Sahaba and Rasulullah were going through all these different kinds of hardships. Okay? And now, when it comes to the Sahaba, going back to the, uh, the, the, the Sirah part, uh, we find people like Uthman bin Affan, who was actually a very rich man. Just because he was rich, he was not able to escape from the hardships of the, uh, that they, they, they faced from the Meccans. Uthman actually was uh, tortured by his own uncle. His uncle used to wrap him into a mat. And then he would turn the fire on underneath. <coughs> this is Uthman. Uthman bin Affan was uh, one of the richest people of the Meccans. But just because he became a Muslim, and we remember that we talked about that. He became Muslim through Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Yeah? As, as Abu Bakr was also one of the uh, uh, powerful men of the, of, the, of the Mecca. And then besides him, other Sahabi, which was uh, Musa uh, bin Umar. When Musa bin Umar, he became a Muslim. His mother was also a very rich woman. And Musa was living a very wealthy life. Very comfortable life. And he was uh, a youth, a young man, any woman would desire in Mecca. This is the way he was. And he, he lived a very luxurious life. When he became a Muslim, now his own mother turned against Musa ibn Umar. Uh, ibn Umar. And he, she started uh, making him a star and expelled him from the house. And later on we see Musa that... Uh, his, uh, the very same person who lived a very luxury and easy life, his skin turned like wrinkled, and uh, 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 there, were, uh, there were signs of hardships on his, uh, on his arms even. 
Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he, he was um, one of the martyrs of the Ghazwatul Uhud. Okay? And he, uh, uh, just because of being a Muslim, he had to go through uh, this hardship and leaving all the luxury that he had. Other person who was not saved from the way of similar difficulties was Bilal. Bilal radiallahu an, who was a slave of Umayyah bin Khalf. And Bilal, uh, Umayyah, uh, what he used to do was he used to beat him up. He used to tie a, a, something around, a rope around the neck of Bilal and give it to the kids and they would drag him on the streets of the, uh, uh, the Mecca. Or put him uh, on the hot sand of the Mecca and put a big stone on, uh, on the chest of Bilal. And he would say that he would continue to torture him until he will die unless he worship Lat Wa'uzza. That's, this is what Umayyah bin Khalf used to say to Bilal. And Bilal's response for all these hardships that he was going through used to be Ahadun Ahad. Which means there's only one. Only one. And uh, later on, uh, when uh, Muslims were in, in Medina and uh, they had much, compared to Mecca, life became easier in a sense of now they, were, they had a place of their own where they were living. Uh, and they were living according to Islam. Over there when he was asked about why was he saying Ahadun Ahad? And his response was because this is, a, this, is the, this is the word that he knew of that used to hurt Umayyah the most. If he would have known some other words, he would have used that. Because Ahadun Ahad actually again goes back to the very same fundamental concept of our aqidah, of our iman, which is La ilaha illallah, that there is nobody worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jal. And as we know, ibadah is not just coming and praying or doing the zakah and hajj and the pillars of Islam or just keeping this, uh, the, the, all the whatever activities we do within the masjid. Rather, ibadah is every action that we undertake to plead Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is all our life, becomes ibadah. And that's what it means by La ilaha or Ahadun Ahad. That there is nobody worthy of worship except Allah. There is nobody bigger than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar, meaning Allah is bigger than everything around me. My desires or my, uh, whatever rules or regulations that human beings are making up with, Allah is above all. That's what it means by that Ahadun Ahad or La ilaha illallah. And that is, if, unless you take, you start looking at it from that perspective, you will not be able to understand these things. It makes no sense otherwise. That the people who are worshipping many gods, what's their problem of worshipping another god? Because Islam is not only about worshipping Allah, rather it starts with rejecting everything else first. Our shahada, to enter into folds of Islam, it starts with rejecting others first. La ilaha illallah. There is nobody worthy of worship except Allah. So uh, this is why we find uh, Bilal was going through this. Uh, other uh, victims of the Quraysh we find are Ali Yasser. Yasser radiallahu anhu and Sumayyah. Uh, they were the two first martyrs of Islam. As a matter of fact, Sumayyah, uh, who was a female, he was the first martyr of Islam. And Abu Jahl was one of those people uh, who were torturing them and their son Ammar. And Yasser, he could not bear 
the hardships or the torture that he was going through and he was, uh, he, he was martyred. And Sumayya, she was actually, Abu Jahl put the spear in her. And uh, she, she, she became the first martyr of Islam. When it comes, uh, uh, when Rasulullah once he was passing by and they were getting tortured, Rasulullah when he saw them, he said, That all Ali Yasir, a family of Yasir, be, uh, uh, be, be patient. Or again, remember when we talked in the beginning also, the sabr is what? It's not that somebody hits you and you just say, I'm not, I'm not gonna hit you back. That's not what sabr is. Sabr is, whatever difficulty you are in, you continue to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So in this case, that Rasulullah asked him to be patient, continue to stick with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordained on you. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed has given them, He gave them the bushra, gave them the black, gave them the black, glad tiding of the Jannah. Now, when it came to Ammar, who was the son of Yasir and Sumayyah, when he saw this torture that was happening to his own parents and who passed away, and they continued to Ammar also, and they were saying to say or curse at Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, okay, and deny Allah subhanahu wa taala and say and chant Allah al-Uzza, you know, like in India nowadays. The lynching that is happening, mob lynching, huh? Mob lynching, yeah. where they are they are forcing people to say things against Allah Azza wa Jal or to hail the false gods, yeah. and uh, many of them have become the shuhada even now today as well because of they want to follow the Deen of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That is the that's the only reason. There is nothing else that they have been uh, uh, tortured for. So, that similar way, they were tortured as well. So Ammar, when he was, he was not able to take the torture, he, uh, he gave in at that time. And he said certain things, uh, which from the world's perspective, would be thought of it as a person is out of Islam. For that Allah Azza wa Jal actually revealed these ayat. مَنْ كَفَرَ بِاللَّهِ بَعْدِ إِمَانِهِ إِلَّا مَنْ أُكْرِهَا وَقَلْبٌ مُطْمَعِنَّ بِالْإِيمَانِ وَلَكِنْ مَنْ شَرَحَ بِالْكُفْرِ صَدْرًا فَعَلَيْهِمْ غَضَبٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَلِيمٌ Whoever disbelieve in Allah after his belief, except him who is forced thereto and whose heart is at rest with faith. Meaning, if your heart is at peace, at manan, then you are okay in this case. This is ayat was revealed for Ammar actually. That what he said was by force. His heart was content that he believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that case, it is allowed. When your life is under threat, in those cases, you have the permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to say these things to save your life. See, but this is about life and death issue. It's not a joke that you jokingly deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here and there to make... Your, uh, your friends happy or to may, may look cool in front of your friend and uh, so and so no this is not what the ayah is talking about here is you are forced and there is an issue of life and death we are talking about ok now <clears throat> uh, going on the, the other sahaba that uh, were tortured besides them one of them was Khabbab in Earth and Khabbab in Earth who was persecuted was also 
uh, in, a, in a very outrageous manner, the way they used to do with him was they used to throw um, uh, coal or ember, and then they would lie him down on the embers and uh, with uh, with bare back, and then his skin would melt because of the melting of the skin and the fat on the back. The embers used to extinguish, and later in his life, he used to show his back that he had like holes, black holes in his in his back. That was because of the torture and the persecution that he went through for the sake of Islam. And uh, uh, during this, uh, the other people who were persecuted besides him was uh, there were actually some women also, including Zanira was one, and Nadia, and her daughter whose name was Umm Ubais. And Umar al-Khattab prior to Islam, he was one of those people who used to torture, even including a, she, a female slave. So, and we will see that later, that how Islam changed Umar al-Khattab as well. But prior to Islam, he was one of the people who was enemies of, uh, of Islam to a point that he was part of those people, among those people, who were torturing the one who believed in Islam. Now, besides all this persecution to Sahaba and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, other methods that the Quraysh used was they tried to pressure Abu Talib, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu one of the people who was the protector of Rasulullah sallallahu who was the main support in a physical manner, if you think about it, was Abu Talib. Of course, Rasulullah sallallahu uh, was uh, trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but uh, as we know, as we studied about the issue of how the Meccan society was, they were very much into protecting their own families or their own tribe, and they were willing to do anything uh, for their tribe and their families. So Abu Talib continued to protect Rasulullah and they approached him. And they approached him in uh, multiple occasions. And the uh, first time when they came, he talked to Rasulullah and Rasulullah actually uh, uh, replied back to him and Abu Talib just kept quiet. He did not do much. Second time they came and they threatened. They threatened Abu Talib about uh, killing Rasulullah And Abu Talib actually, he, uh, he went to Rasulullah this time and he said, Oh my nephew, I cannot bear this burden of the way the Quraysh is uh, putting the, the, uh, the pressure on me. And upon which Rasulullah wasallam, his answer to him was, Oh my uncle, by Allah, if they put the sun in my right hand and moon in my left hand, I will not stop this uh, message, conveying the message, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this deen victorious, meaning this prevails, or Rasulullah perish. Right? Which means, what Rasulullah answered was, that, that it, it, it's, uh, he is not going to stop. Because this is impossible to bring the sun on the right hand and moon on the left hand. So he is giving that, he is not going to stop what he was doing. And uh, I mean, uh, when he, uh, Abu Talib, when he saw that, he responds and uh, uh, response of Rasulullah then uh, he, he said to Rasulullah that he should continue what he's doing and he will, uh, nobody will stop him. Meaning, from his side, he will continue his support uh, until he lives.
Now, when this did not work out, now Quraysh realized that they, uh, Abu Talib is not listening, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is going to continue on. So now they, they plan to kill Rasulullah Sallallahu And first they offer Abu Talib an option. They said, you know what, because they understood this, the tribal system, the way it was, if somebody kills Rasulullah Sallallahu the tribe of Rasulullah Sallallahu is going to take the revenge. This is the way the tribal system was at that time. So, this time they, they, what they did was they sent a, a delegation and they said, why don't we do this? Why don't we give you uh, the Amara bin Walid? Remember the seventh person I talked about? That uh, the one who were, uh, Rasulullah was making the dua against? So they said, we'll give you Amara bin Walid and uh, you can give Rasulullah to us. So you will have a son that you can raise. Okay. Upon which Abu Talib said, what kind of a deal is this? That you take my son and kill him. And you want me to raise your son well. How, how is it justice? That you want to kill my son and I, I will continue to raise your son. And of course Abu Talib, he rejected uh, this, this one as well. Now, uh, after that, when all these, uh, these things were not working out for them, uh, they again, they tried to, uh, uh, Abu, Abu Jahl tried to kill Rasulullah at one point, and similarly, Utaybah uh, bin Abi Lahab. Once he approached Rasulullah and, and in a very defiantly and brazenly shouted at him, I, I, I disbelieve, I'm saying that, I disbelieve in your message what you are bringing in. And he is reciting the ayat by the star when it goes down, and, and then he said, uh, he, and Jibreel approached and came closer. And, uh, in other words, I do not believe in any of the Quran. And he, uh, he then started to deal uh, high-handedly with Rasulullah and laid violent hand on him, tore his shirt and spat on his face. But his saliva missed the Rasulullah's face. Therefore, Rasulullah invoked Allah's wrath on him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah, are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.